Hey, what's up? This is Japan Nick, starting off uh, the night. Got special guests in the house. Tonight, I have the Bedata ladies from Brooklyn. Can you each introduce yourselves and tell me what position you play and how long you have been in the band? Hello? No, oh, mine's on. I'll start. Hello? Hey. Yeah, I'm hearing you, man. Hello. Mine's not on. No, yeah, it is. Ryan's not on. Wait, wait, Ryan, say something. Hey, ho, hey. Yeah, yeah, Hello. you're saying something. Uh, <laughs> it's going through? I don't have a light on. I'm good. Pass me the salt. Um, th that sucks for you, man, but <laughs> just deal with it. <laughs> now, anyways, have you all introduced yourselves? No. <laughs> Ryan, <laughs> since I've known you the longest, tell me. I hear music. I, my name is Ryan. I'm the drummer in the Data Ladies, and the <coughs> singer. Johnny, I'm the bassist, and I'm Chris. I play guitar. And what does that guy do on the end? Oh, this is just Rob. <laughs> this is our friend Rob. He plays guitar in Furnace Head and sings. Excellent. Now, have you guys always been? Um, are you all originals in the band, or did any of you um, replace any? Uh, Former members. Well, we started as a as a two piece originally, and then uh, Chris came onto the scene, and uh, things just got worse from Not there true. on out. <laughs> okay, that's true. It's a little true. No, we we were a two piece, and for about, I mean, me and Ryan have been playing together for years since since we were like eighteen. Yeah. And uh, and then I joined the band as a guitarist. That was about a year ago. Probably over a year ago at this point. Yeah. Yep. Right? Now, how long has your band been around for? The Bedata Ladies established? I don't know. Um, let's say... Yeah, I hear that. Hey. Uh, so, we started... Johnny and I have been playing since we were 18, which was like six years ago. And then we were in a band, though. Johnny didn't even know how to play bass. <laughs> and then I taught him how to play bass so I could have a band. <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> like this. And then, uh, and then we started playing out in, like, 2011, probably. So maybe, like, two to three years we've been the Bedata Ladies. Now, was it, like, early 2011 or was it, like, fall or winter 2011? It was cold out. That's all I can disclose at this time. <laughs> that could be any time of the year in New Jersey, though. There you go. I, I'd have to say probably we started getting serious in the fall time. And um, we talked originally about, like, what we wanted to do. Should we have a guitar player? But everything was intense enough as a two-piece at the time. Yeah. Sorry, I'm eating brownie. Um that we didn't we didn't think it was necessary at the moment and uh like riff wise on bass there was so much going on and drum wise there was so much going on that it wasn't needed i mean so, i didn't even know about the band you know up until i joined the actual band yeah we didn't even know who chris <laughs> you know was what i mean i never even heard of the name didn't know who you guys were never saw you guys and you're like hey you want to like jam with us sometime I'm like sure i'm always down to jam I think Ryan was on tour. Mm -hmm. I think Ryan oh. was on tour when I met Chris. That's right. That's right. 
And you're like, dude, you gotta meet this guy. You gotta meet this drummer, man. He's phenomenal. I'm like, word. We'll give it a shot. <coughs> I remember the first jam session we had. It was in Johnny's basement. Yeah. It was amazing. Good times. Oh, Great you, times. Right? Oh, yeah. oh, no. The three of us. Oh, the first yeah, time, yeah, The yeah. first time we all got together, it was pretty incredible. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Pretty much when... Uh, the reason Ryan and I decided to seek out a guitar, a noble guitar player <laughs> noble i don't know was because uh <clears throat> you didn't want a uh, disreputable guitar player no no we didn't want some schmo or schmoo <laughs> <laughs> uh basically ryan and i had a couple gigs that we were unhappy with and our songs and our music was starting to feel kind of stale how so, so? it's just like when we the biggest thing for in you know for a band that's writing creatively is to always be excited about your own music. We always find that if we're like honestly in in the practice space and we find that like we're just not feeling it or we're not interested in what we're playing then we don't play it. It's not really worth it at that point cuz we're just wasting time and money. Yep. And uh creative things. So True that. We would play we would play some shows and they turned out to be bad. Um <laughs> How so? Johnny's amp kept exploding. Yeah, my my amp at the time was malfunctioning and we played at a strip club. Mm-hmm. Um, where there was a murder like wait, really? a year before. Yeah. yeah. What? It was called Sylvanas. Basically like I really wish I was in the band at that point. <laughs> it we can really always go back. There. <laughs> We should definitely think, go back there. I think it's still happening. Where is it? Really? In North Jersey, South Jersey, Dover. or it's in Dover? Oh, dude, perfect. Ah, Dover's a beautiful place. <laughs> yeah, Gorgeous. Sure, man. Whatever you say. <laughs> um, so we played that show, and that was it for us because uh, there was another show prior. I think that we played that we weren't happy with, mm. and from my mm. point of view, mm. it was that I wanted more power in the band and more emotion and i couldn't get it with just one combo amp and me yeah i would say that like when we would be rehearsing things just started to sound the same and like uh that that's when things get tough for me as like a musician if i feel like i'm repeating myself or the band's repeating ourselves like then something's got to change and we always wanted a guitarist you know, we just did the drums and bass thing out of... Um, kind of doing whatever you had, right, at the time? Yeah. Impatience. Impatience mm-hmm. and, like, and because it was easy. And it also felt good for a long time. And then when it didn't feel good, we wanted to reach out. And thank God Christopher Stockio <laughs> came on the scene. Chris, take it away. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean it was a, definitely a pleasure to be uh, to be asked even to join these two. I mean, I guess I met Johnny through some mutual friends, the bassist, um, and he's like, "Dude, check us out. Here's the you know here's us as a two piece. Would you be interested in joining as a guitarist?" And I thought about joining um, pretty much initially right when I heard the EP, and I thought, you know, what what could I bring to the table that would be interesting? That's like, the Live Die EP, by the way. It's up on the band camp, too, if you want to check that out. <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink, say no more. Wink, wink. Um, 
And yeah, and like I didn't want to overpower what they already had kind of established because they were both pretty good musicians, especially playing together. Uh, like they knew each other pretty well to the point where it was like second nature when they played together. Um, I didn't want to come in and kind of ruin that, you know. Um, I wanted to add kind of my own technique and my own, you know, influences, I guess. But yeah, I hope I am doing a good job. I think I'm doing Come all right. On. <laughs> Kalabunga, dude. No, you suck, dude. <laughs> Chris came in and he's been a perfect addition because Johnny and I don't want a shredder. Yeah. We don't. We really didn't want somebody who would be playing really noty and and taking us to like a corny metal direction. It's so easy to do. Hmm. And uh we just find we out we all have the same influences. We're all extremely passionate and dedicated and uh yep. and we want it really badly. And also our personalities, like we all get along really well. Like Totally. It's been a year and it's been a really good year, I think. Definitely. As far as I'm concerned. Couldn't agree more. I think probably the biggest thing um, with Chris in the beginning was, like Ryan said, the influence. We all listen to the same bands, and we're all into the same music, and we all show each other bands that we think mm-hmm. the other person would enjoy. And uh, <clears throat> it just kind of, like, subconsciously translates into, like, I don't know. It's kind of like a feeling, you know, the way yeah. the way we write together. Definitely it's more of a feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, holding on for a second. Can you explain the meaning of your band name? Ryan? That's you, Ryan. That's <laughs> your, it's your doing. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> very proud of this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh. the legend begins with my mother, Joni Smith. Initially, her name was Joni Parker. And that's my middle name now. And that's the lineage. <laughs> and we go far back to when little Joni Parker was in, like, second grade. <laughs> and she had her little friends, her little female friends, and they would go into the lunchroom. <laughs> and who, lo and behold, who would be in the lunchroom? But these, these ladies who would be serving them lunch and many call them the lunch ladies but my mom was too creative for that and uh <laughs> and these ladies they were polish and they would scream at the kids <laughs> and what they would scream is get your potatoes get your potatoes <laughs> and so my <laughs> mom and her friends labeled them the potato ladies and when she told me that story Johnny and I were starting this metal band <laughs> and I just knew I just knew that it would be great. I didn't even know that story, to be honest <laughs> with you. Well, the funniest part is I that... I knew parts, but not the when, entire When thing. you're in your basement and you're like, dude, this metal project, what am I going to name it? The Bedata Ladies. It just is like, it's great. And like, who cares? Like, it, sound, it feels good. The right. story's funny. And then you bring it out to people and, and they all want to like judge it or think about it. And it's like, okay, go ahead. I, it's, but it came from a, like a really pure spot, so... You know, I'm like all for it. There you go. We're actually going to be called the Bodega Ladies from now on. We're changing our name on the air. It's happening. Yeah, after <laughs> all that, Chris has decided we have to change the name. That's it. I, I want it to be called Sad Onion Tears. <laughs> but these two schmoozes weren't having that. You know? Well, tell no me the story behind that name. Um, 
Well, hey, Johnny, tell me the story. Uh, tell us the story, bro. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Story, the story behind that is that uh, I lost a friend, a dear friend. and uh, It was liked... an onion. <laughs> no, no. Named onion. His name was... Uh, his name was Ronald. <laughs> was his last name McDonald? No, no. This is a very serious matter, actually. <laughs> but he loved onions. And uh, it, it's kind of like a tribute. Um, he died in an onion-melting experiment <laughs> when he was in his college years. <laughs> and it made him sad. I was sad to see him go that way. <laughs> he was he went to school for you know onion melting? <laughs> no, he was actually training <laughs> <laughs> He was training to become to become a genie. <laughs> oh, it was genie school? Yeah. Uh, 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 genie school, man? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of that place. So what were you going to do? Like beat him up every time you wanted three more wishes? No, no. I just, I you were just cool. Give... He was going to give you out three wishes whenever you wanted then. As long as you gave him some onions. You know? <laughs> and as long as he graduated from genie school, then, yeah. you know, it's he a has tough power. cookie to crack, though. <laughs> Or crumble. <laughs> okay, now Rob. Rob over here is trying to get into genie school. It's very Stop. tough. To it's get very into. difficult. They only accept one person a year. He's not wholesome enough. <laughs> uh, he's just not. He's just not. You know, Robin Williams from the greatest movie in the world, Aladdin. Oh, when yeah. he played the blue genie, oh, that's amazing. exactly who I wanted to be when I grew up. You still do, I think. I, think that, yeah. <laughs> I, I try to say that through my music. By the way, let's introduce that. Rob right here. He's, we he's, did already, but let's do it again because he deserves a second introduction. He's a friend, and he's in a band. Uh, it's a sister band of ours named Furnace Head. <laughs> Not a brother. Incredible. No, a sister Not band. A sister, bro. They're incredible. Sister from yeah, they've, they've Check them out. F-U-R-N-A-C-E Head. Now tell me the, the story head. behind Furnace Head. What's the name mean? Um... <laughs> The, ba- the the name of the band is actually uh, it kind of has two meanings to it. Um, I was starting a, like a side project for myself, and I was trying to think of band names, and uh, in a sense, and when I was trying to think of band names, like I was kind of going through a, a rough time of my life, so like a lot of things were building up in my head, and while I was like you know having this epiphany, <laughs> I was watching Home Alone. And uh, the if you all remember your Macaulay Culkin movies, oh, yes, he yes, was yes, walking down ahead. to the basement, and he saw that furnace come alive, and I thought, oh, like a furnace head, really? yeah. That's awesome. And I was just at first, I was like, that's stupid, <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, but but then like I really really liked it because it kind of had like a meaning to me in a sense. So I started writing songs um, by myself, and then I got my drummer evan who is supposed to come but he didn't so that's what's how. up with that is he coming i don't really know i hope so i texted him but well i, I just want to add that now I that's think... a dude you want to get on the radio <laughs> yeah, he's, for he's, sure he's a special guy. <laughs> but i just wanted to add that like if you listen to your guys' songs like it totally make like the name totally makes sense like You're you can't deny that oh, it's okay. a lot of like uh, we can't curse uh yeah anger is a good word um, 
and a good it's tie-in good. is we have a split with them up on Bandcamp that we did together. Yep. Furnace Head, Bedata Lady split, and it's dope. It's really great. We have a song called Echo Queen, which I sing every time. Do you? And it's fun. Every that song it, that song's dedicated to ryan thank you i wrote that song I'm and i was queen. like ryan smith i'm gonna meet a man named ryan smith it's gonna go out oh. to him. you wrote the song before you even met him admit it now guys what's a joke ryan starting with you tell me about your influences and how they're balanced out amongst each other What's that? What do you mean, balanced out amongst each other? Well, like some influences of yours will take greater precedent uh, in, I guess, the songwriting of your band, whilst others will be on the side and maybe you won't use as much. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, the influences I use a lot in this band are my post-metal influences and uh, Doom and just uh, more extreme heavy music. Uh, so bands like... Isis and Neurosis and Pelican um, come to mind. And then, you know, more that's close in that area. Like, you know uh, what I do a lot, though? A lot of my influences are from the local scene, too. Like, like yeah. uh, the drummer of, of Dutch Guts has taught me a lot of how to play less. Um, what do you mean by that? Um, well, this guy, Flazar... Um, he, they're, they're playing extremely heavy, loud music. Um, and these are Montclair locals, by the way. So you should check them out if you're listening. And, uh, I would watch him and, and just see him just hit cymbals and the drums like with such delicacy during this like intense, gross, disgusting music. And it was like so antithetical, but like it, it sounded so good. Um, so I, I learned a lot from watching drummers, you know, who I play with a lot, and then from listening to drummers who, like, I grew up listening to. And I've always wanted to play this kind of music. It's, it's kind of my favorite music, um, you know, and has been, like, my closest music since I was a teenager. So, um, yeah. Uh, the further influences are, like, jazz and hip-hop, groove, and then, like, rock stuff, like... Clutch is always an influence in my playing, and uh, and you can ask the guys. Like, I'm a very groove oriented drummer. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to sacrifice groove for for franticness or like stuff like that. Especially in this band, I really I feel like that's important. I think about our music as meditation. Like, so so keeping it consistent. Ohm is probably my hugest uh, latest like influence on my playing. So. That's that, Johnny. <coughs> well, Satan is my influence, first and foremost. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, what about Pentagram? I've never heard a single song by them. The band? Yeah. I watched a documentary recently. I forgot what, what was it called. Until the light takes. No, no, no. <laughs> um, Last Days, and it like it was like a really interesting documentary based on like the singer. Um, he oh, was I've like. Heard of that. Yeah, he was going through, like, drugs, and uh, he was going through trying to get clean and, like, getting the band back together. It was a really interesting documentary. Uh, I suggest everybody to watch that. Yeah. I think it's on Netflix, actually. Okay, anyways, though, Johnny, continue. Um, <laughs> you know, some of the bands that Ryan mentioned, of course. Um, see, the thing is, is that it, it's never stationed uh, where 
my influence is it, it always changes it depends on what i'm feeling in life and what i'm going through in life um you know when we first started out there was a lot of pelican influence and even before that again there was clutch everything came from clutch for me um and then you know like i mean i, I started playing music in general learning off of tool rage against the machine and clutch um which is interesting to see Tool rear its head again in some of the music that we play now. Like I know, I know, I kind of mm -hmm. feel like I ripped off some of their styles in um, definitely in a song we have called "Sad Lake." I don't know why it's called "Sad Lake," but it's about a sad lake. It's about a very depressed <laughs> lake. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that like in the, like I said in the beginning it was Pelican and it was uh a little bit of neurosis and definitely Isis. Isis is huge for me. Yeah. Uh but now um I listen to that stuff still, but I listen to a lot more uh new hardcore. Um I hate old hardcore. I hate it. I just can't get with it, but <clears throat> But like new newer hardcore bands, like uh, even Converge, yeah. which I consider to be newer, they're big big influence on me right now. And uh, Code Orange Kids and Nails and a lot of them, you know, um, Oathbreaker. We're all big into Oathbreaker. Definitely. Can you all um, talk about how you recorded Sad Lake? How did we record? Sad Lake? Um. We actually have a studio in Brooklyn, um, which we rehearse at least once a weekend. Um, our, our, our Ryan drummer, I was going to say. <laughs> our drummer, Ryan, uh, actually lives in Brooklyn, so it's, it's kind of more convenient for us to be down there. Um, and it's a great studio. Um, we don't pay that much you know, monthly. It has a, like, a lot of space to move around in, a great equipment, great gear, great sound. So we basically, we have a song we, you know, we're pretty much happy with. Some sometimes it's not even fully completed, like most of yeah. the times actually. Yeah, there might be like ninety percent there. We feel like maybe like eighty five percent, you know, completed. And we'll set up, literally maybe three or four microphones. And uh, mics. yeah, Ryan takes care of all the recording. I think he does a great job. Um, you got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he does a lot of like uh, pre production stuff, and like he has some like reverb and some chorus here and there, and. He does a really good job with that. Thanks, bro. You got it, bro. I think that uh, that that song is very special. Um, it is. It is for me too. It's special to me because there there's sometimes that we'll write a song in the studio, and one of us or two of us or one of us <laughs> or two of us <laughs> will uh, will sit there and be unhappy with a song, and and. It's not even necessarily unhappy all the time, but just not there yet. And uh, that song particularly is a good example to me of a song that didn't feel complete. Like, uh, I don't know why I almost was thinking to call you Ricky, but like Chris over here. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Ricky over here. Like uh, like Ricky uh. said that uh, wasn't complete, but but I then we uh, we played a show, 
that we debuted it at <laughs> in uh, where the Pat's heck bar. was it? Pat's Bar in Mount Arlington. That was New a Jersey. great show, and yeah. we debuted the song there, and uh, it felt like one of the best experiences. Um, it was fun. Sometimes that just happens. It, it's about the perfection, like perfecting music live instead of in the studio and behind the mic. Yeah. Now, on that note, why don't we listen to Sad Lake? Oh, cool. You know what? Um, What's going on? Having trouble with that. You know what? We're going to um, tell more about the uh, recording of Sad Lake. I'm going to get my computer. Yeah, there we go. Thanks. Thanks, man. Um, so, uh, well, recording in general, I, I've been taking a minimalist-like view, basically. Uh, I only use three microphones for... <laughs> there's 157 oh on the drum kit, and I place it, like, a little bit above the kick drum towards the floor tom, um, just directly into the drum kit, and then I put one in front of the guitar amp and I put one on, on the on the bass amp and that's a bass you know microphone like a D112 or something yeah and uh and I put up gobos in front of the uh the amplifiers so there's not an insane amount of bleed and uh then we just do the takes and like we're pretty cool like by the time we're doing takes like we basically do like three tops yeah and uh, and we just take like what yeah. we're trying to capture. These are demos, as far as I'm concerned. And what we're trying to capture is a vibe. Like we're not trying to capture perfection. We're not trying to capture clarity. We're just trying to capture this feeling, and that's it. So the the three mic approach is just to keep it so simple and to have no mm -hmm. data getting lost. Like if I split up. If I put five mics on a drum kit and I'm mixing all these mics on, on the kit, which I've done for years, uh, I've never been happy with it because uh, I lose a lot of data from the sound, like just from isolating. And um, <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's more important to get a cohesive sound uh, and also not having like million dollar compressors or whatever like i'm not I, there's no point in trying to fake it Screw like compression man the home studio like fad is i'm so over it it's like terrible totally. like stuff just sounds digital and like isolated there's no room vibe anymore so do you want to comment on uh your uh, other band's uh singers position or position about uh being against metronomes uh, yeah Explain that. Tim? Sure, yeah, Tim. <laughs> Tim is adamantly against <laughs> uh, metronomes, which... Uh, really? I don't blame him. Yeah, I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. They, I don't blame him. That's great. Why, why would you play to something that's not real? You know, it's, it's this machine, you know, and so the vibe just gets lost I mean, there. I'm a, I'm a fan of drum machines, though. I like drum machines. Metronomes are Yeah. There you go. Rob just said metronomes are just are just guidelines, and I I, I can kind of agree with that. Yeah, I I think uh, I can side with that. Most of the argument for me, because like how I appreciate Tim's view is that they uh, like in a rock setting, in a metal setting, like they just take out some of the life. If if a song is going to speed up or slow down, like 
let it happen. Feel it out. You know, there shouldn't be like an exact science or like an equation to throw into. Be like, oh, you got to be quiet here just because, you know, the metronome or whatever the timing says so. Yeah. On that note, I think I can actually play the song now. Oh, sweet. Let's hear it. And I just wanted to add to uh, what Ryan just said. Like, he, he said it right. Like, as long as we capture the vibe of a song, we're content.
And we're back. Apple pie. Now, guys, tell me, what album, or what release was that from? Hmm, it's for a compilation. Yeah, we submitted that as as like a one-off to a compilation. Mm -hmm. What comp was that? I'm not even sure. Ryan probably knows. Not rock. Uh, Johnny actually set it up. Basically, there's a there's a fellow musician in the local scene. His name is John T. Fisher. I'm not kidding. That's really his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, he used to be in a band called Insouciant, and he's in a band called Off Camber. And um, Rob, you want some pie? Nah, I'm good. Man. <laughs> we got some apple pie in the studio. It's yeah. delicious. Shh. No, you don't. Oh wait, no, we They're don't. Lying. It's an apple pie bar. I'm dreaming apple pie. You know, one of those candy bars. Are you a good dive? So, so John T. Fisher, you know, he's done so much with music and the local scene. Great guy. And he messaged me um, requesting that we contribute to a compilation called the Not Rock Compilation. But why would you contribute to a compilation that's not rock? <laughs> it's heavier. Because we don't play rock. I hate rock, actually. So what is it, like a metal compilation? I'm not sure. I haven't heard it yet. No, I think it's one of those ironic things where it's like, it's called not rock, but every every band on there is just straight up rock and roll. I thought they were talking about like actual rock. So you're saying this is like <laughs> a secret hipster conspiracy compilation. <laughs> and that's some other words, accurate. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty much about right. <laughs> we do not play hipster metal, though. Good. No. No. Thank, yeah, <laughs> that word isn't even in our vocabulary. Such thing? People call deaf heaven hipster metal. Not hipster metal. No, kind of. <laughs> it's sweet. <laughs> it's sweet metal. <laughs> this pie is sweet. No pie. We played dad core. That's brutal, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's not quite dad rock. <laughs> it's a another little bit more aggressive. Yeah, it's like our wife kind of like left us, and we're stuck with paying child support. So we play we went divorce like core, divorce core. Yeah, <laughs> we're trying to go for something Dude, like that. We should change our name to divorce court. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. every song we got to start with on uh, next episode of divorce court <laughs> or bleep alimony. Uh, fill in the bleep. Bleep <laughs> alimony. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now I got it. Phony alimony. <laughs> Phony alimony. I like that. Now, speaking of alimony, can you tell me about your appearance at the Stanhope House <laughs> on Saturday night? <clears throat> yeah, that's well, tomorrow. Yeah. That's a huge deal for us. Um, huge deal. That's, huge deal. You're going to be paying your alimony through that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Chris has about four kids to feed. Teen. Fourteen. <laughs> They're all fourteen. Like you said, <laughs> about four. Teen. <laughs> they're in. They're tweens. Um, but basically, the show tomorrow is we're opening for a, a band called Tombs. Um, they uh, they're they're on a record label called Relapse Records, and uh, it's it's a big deal to us because. We've always been a fan of that record label. That label has put out bands such as Mastodon, Dillinger Cough. Escape Plan. Dillinger Escape What'd Plan. What'd you say, Nick? Cough. Cough? You know, that doom metal band, they played Maryland Death Fest last year. 
Uh, I've never heard of them. 2012. No. Come on, ritual abuse. Sorry, man. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> I know they they did something with High on Fire. Yeah. And uh, Baroness. Um, Baroness is a big uh, treasure on their label. Yeah. Two of us are Baroness fans. Yep. At yeah. least two of us. Probably Wait, who one, are the but Baroness at least Baroness fans, and who are the people that don't like them? I, I love Baroness. Um, I just saw them, actually, recently, and uh, they were great. They were cool. Um, I think they definitely sound better on recording than they do live, but uh, they're a great band, for sure. <laughs> and uh, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, my mom taught me, well, if you don't have anything nice to say... I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean Ooh. they're they're good, but anyway. Um, so, so relapse as a band called Tombs, and they're playing. And um, about they're great. About uh, a month ago, I was at the Stanhope House uh, watching the at the record release show for good friends of ours in a band called Atlas. Mm. Um, also a great band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're they're great, and um, Atlas played their record release show, and there's a guy that we all know and look up to, kind of like a music scene father, named uh, Vinny. I don't know how to say his last Paternostro. name. Paternostro. Paternostro. He's pretty much my dad. Yeah, he he. When we first met, I was he started dad. Dad. <laughs> he is the father. He is the son, and he is the genie. Holy Spirit. <laughs> So anyway, I ran into Vinny, and uh, he hadn't heard us uh, since we first got Chris, or Ricky, if you will, in the band. <laughs> Mr. Ricardo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo Bop. Meow, <laughs> 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 meow. <laughs> so uh, we were talking about shows, and he had told me how he just recently started throwing shows and promoting shows at the Stanhope House. Now, me and Ryan have played the Stanhope House as a two-piece plenty of times and always had a good turnout. We played it once with Chris, like, last year, and <coughs> it was fun. That was the side stage, though, right? Yeah, that was the side yeah. stage. Chris has never played, never played the, the main, main stage, stage with us. But uh, Vinny told me that he had been trying to get the band Tombs, and, like, I didn't have the heart to tell him, like, hey, who the heck is Tombs? But, you know, instead I just made myself look, like, interested. Because I've definitely heard the name before, and it's a cool name. And um, they're a cool band. And then I, you know, I, I told him, how about, you know, if you can get him out here, could you throw us a bone? And he just, you know, he said no at first. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a straight up no. We weren't originally going to play the show. Yeah, and then um, things fell through, and in the end, he he contacted. I guess he contacted Ryan first. Yeah. Is that true, Ryan? <laughs> Can we get confirmation? Yeah, it's true. I mean, the story is not that interesting. We no, we not. got on the bill, and now we're playing tomorrow. And the band Tombs is like, they're actually really cool. They're really uh, groundbreaking, like by melding a lot of different. Um, metal genres together. They're really good. They're I very haven't... established. They've they've to they've toured you know mm. a lot of the world and uh, like like the guys said they're on relapse and we're just really happy to okay. be on the bill. So it's tomorrow night at the Stanhope House, uh, eight o'clock. Come on out. Now, can you speak about any of the other bands on the bill? Oh God. Well, Dutch yeah. Guts is playing. Um, really good friends of ours. Yeah. Um, 
we're we're trying to maybe have a split with them. Even That's true. In the near future. Well, that might be in the works. Um, and uh, Pharaoh is playing, which I just recently heard for the first time. They're incredible. I'm really stuck for their set. They're really like sludgy, doomy. Do they got like the yeah. kind of like New Orleans <laughs> sound coming out of them? I don't like know. Acid I'd... bath? Um, not really. They're more like um. Uh, I don't know. They pl- they probably play in like drop A, and they only just play like open chords. But <laughs> mm. it's it's really good. It's really awesome. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. And there's another band that I'm not familiar Pyron, with. Pyron, I think. Yeah. Pyron. I think they might be another relapse band. Might nah, be because they're know. they're co-headlining. I don't think so. Well, they've been they've been playing some shows with Tombs for sure around the Northeast uh, recently. So, you know, they're friends or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really solid bill. Like, it really is. We are really excited because it's hard to get like extreme, like uh, kind of genre defying metal together. Like a lot of times, we get on bills with like hardcore bands or uh, mm-hmm. other kinds of bands, and like they could be great, but we're not exactly complementary. You know, what do you do when you end up on like a pretty good bill, but it's like. It's like adding mashed potatoes to mustard or something like that. that actually you don't eat mustard with mashed potatoes, yeah. bro. Yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> Not usually. Only sometimes. Yeah. What was the question? Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> now, what do you do, though, when you're like offered mm-hmm. a pretty interesting uh, bill to be on, but it's like you don't fit the bill at all? Oh, we like, totally fit this bill. Yeah, but if if that situation comes up, Nick, like right. we usually take it because we we take all the gigs we can. We we love to play and Absolutely. I mean, a lot of I know a lot of bands that are like, "Hey, if the gig's not worth it, like we're not screw it, we're not doing it." And like we are definitely not like that. We No, nah, we'll play. We'll pretty much play anything that's given yeah, to us. Yeah, so if if it's an interesting bill or mm-hmm. if if the bands, if we really don't like the bands and we know we don't like the bands, <laughs> that's a different story. But if it's just different genres or something, like... There's, uh, there shouldn't be a totally reason cool. not to play, yeah. yeah. I mean, we played St. Vitus not too long ago. And we were just... It, it was uh, really kind of like on a whim <laughs> that we got offered this gig. And when we found out that we, we literally played in between like two prog bands yeah. that like were on tour and they just so happened to be playing St. Vitus, we just kind of got thrown in the spill. By the way, what album of yours is the Sad Lake song on? Uh, it's the compilation. Yeah. That's the only release. But we might release it uh, on our EP as well, down the road. It's it's unreleased. Tonight was the first time it got played live for yeah. all the wonderful listeners. I think that was like the third time I've ever heard it. Yeah. <laughs> ever. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before I forget, though, um, anybody interested or anybody that's currently a tombs fan um i've heard word that through the grapevine that they uh the reason why they're coming out to jersey they're they're from brooklyn to my understanding just like us but the reason yeah that's what that's what i heard from brooklyn yeah uh is because they've got a new album in the works um and i've heard that basically they're coming out to to showcase some of it and uh, get ready to do a full tour, uh, and they're using this show tomorrow night as just like a starter, I guess. So anybody that's in the tombs, you might find it wise to uh, 
Anyways, I feel like listening to some of your music it has a real sludge metal feel, and I feel like some gritty acid bath in your music. Acid bath. Is that a band or a genre? Yeah, I, I've it's heard a band. the name, but... Yeah, they're from New Orleans. Uh, they're good. Dax Riggs is the singer. He played New York City a couple weeks ago. Cool. I think our biggest, my biggest doom influence in the band would be uh, Pilgrim. Pilgrim rocks. Oh my god! We played with yes. Pilgrim, young kids. Yeah, we got to to play with them. They're on what is their label? Hell, they're on Metal Blade, I think. I think Metal they just Blade. got signed to Metal Blade. Yeah. Actually, they're on Metal Blade. They were on Metal Blade's like, like sister label, and then they got officially signed to the major. What label. was their si- sister label? Um, I actually don't remember the name. Yeah, it had a particular name. But these guys were incredible, and we got to play with them, and that was a great show. That was a, you're right. There was a lot of great bands. <clears throat> we all played great sets, and um, and after seeing them do their thing and just play so down tempo, I don't know, like it there's me- a lot of great doom bands, but like seeing mm-hmm. Pilgrim actually made me write differently, and so like that was totally yeah. like I think that night they played and then we went on, yeah, and like they just put me in the like the most perfect mindset to af- to just like play right after them. Yeah, another big influence for me is Harvey Milk, uh, which is like a very mm-hmm. um, like boutique band that not many people know about. Um, that was on uh, Hydrahead, and they're another really like their latest release, which I think is called "A Small Turn of Human Kindness." Mm-hmm. Um, is like one of the slowest, heaviest things I've come across. And it's like art metal, though. You know, it's not like straight ahead. Like the chord choices are really, you know, artistic and more sensitive. But it's they don't sacrifice that for heaviness. So mm-hmm. that's been a big influence too. A uh, big influence of mine is this band called Rorcal from. Uh I think they're from Geneva, and they're one of the most like phenomenal freaking doom bands I've ever heard. Um, they just put out a new album. I think it's called like Villa Veg or something. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but they're like they kind of stretch the limits between like black metal, doom, sludge, and like an- just ambient, straight up ambient. No grindcore in there as well. Absolutely, there's grindcore. <laughs> Great job, Nick. It's um, <laughs> it's very interesting when talking about doom to me because. Um, like what I see as doom or what I was, you know, came up listening to as doom is kind of different than what these guys uh, listen to as far as doom bands go. Like Chris is talking about Rorcal, Ryan's talking about Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. When I started listening to what I thought was doom, it was Orange Goblin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Orange Goblin and St. Vitus and. Monster Magnet? No, I never. Ah, uh, they're great. Yeah, I haven't thought about that bit in a long but, time. But like those, those are the doomy kind of bands. Even the sword, in some strange way, it's more like stoner. Yeah, that is very stoner. Well, it's, some people would even say that like Sabbath was a doom band. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Some people. Very, yeah, I can see that. Now, dudes, can you explain the difference between stoner metal and doom metal? Very easily. Yeah, I'm not answering this one. That's no problem. <laughs> you want to go first? Go ahead. Well, like. Uh, I think stoner um, kind of goes like doom for me is is really sl- just slow, and it can be uh, dense at times. Um, whereas stoner is more riff based, and it 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 doesn't really reach the same like slow tempo. Um, 
Yep, there's more of a groove. Uh, hey, Rob. Rob. <laughs> you got it, Rob. Yeah. So it's a little bit groovier, like stoner rock. And I like the term. I think it's appropriate. I don't know. I don't want to associate it with weed per se, but <laughs> I think it, it's like groovy psychedelic, but it's not like, but it's still like heavy. Uh, whereas Doom is slow. It's so, it's so much more desperate too. It's like, it's just. And I mean, it doesn't can, give as much. Can you be a stoner band without being high? You know what I mean? Is there like other? Yeah, absolutely. But where does the where is the line? You know, where is the line between stoner and doom like drawn? Speed. Yeah. Speed. Yeah, doom yeah. bands are just way slower. Doom. Okay. Okay. Johnny, what do you think? Ryan was pretty accurate. Um, in my eyes. Um, like I love sleep, by the way. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> sleep is one of my favorite. Across the board, I think that's definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with speed and and riffs and and stuff like that. Like and and even um, time. Time is a big one. Like you don't see, like you see when when I think of stoner, I think of even though a lot of people call it desert rock, I think of Caius, I think of Orange yeah. Goblin, I think of The Sword, I think of Alabama Thunder Pussy, I think of, you know, like all these different bands, even Clutch, yeah, yeah. early to now, um, they've been classified as stoner for years, and um, another one is high on. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, Halfway to Gone, you know, another good local South Jersey band. Where is Halfway to Gone from? They're from the Camden Asbury. Area? Ah, Asbury. Um, Tell me about their sound. Halfway to Gone is kind of like a mixture between, like a, a little bit of Doom, but more Stoner. Um, and and this is actually the perfect example. Like I said, influence has a lot to do with it. And uh, they even covered on one of their albums a Deep Purple song. <laughs> I consider really? old Deep Purple to be stoner. What about the Flower Traveling Band? They're What's sick. that? They're amazing. They're like from Japan. Really? That's they had a spot. couple. For reals. They had a couple albums or at least one release. <laughs> Satori, that was like, yeah, Satori. Makeup. Satori, which was hugely influential like in the 70s. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, like... That whole album, I learned about it through like this really insane Yakuza movie called Deadly Out Well Reka, and like they fire off bazookas in it, and mm. it's awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> you should watch it for the insane soundtrack of the Flower Traveling Band. They use the entire album, the Sato- the album Satori. Yeah, and I believe they fire off bazookas at least twice. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down to watch that. Yeah, sounds cool. Thanks for the tip, dude. What was it like? When you were um, doing the furnace head split. Oh, man. (laughs) The bane of my existence. (laughs) Oh, man. A lot of of time, a lot of effort. It sucked. It was was hard for Ryan, too, because he's living in Brooklyn. It was all Ryan's. (laughs) Gosh darn you. I mean, it was just a lot of misunderstanding um, in the beginning. I'm not going to say that the entire process was... You know, um, I mean, a waste of time. I'm not going to say any of that. I'm not going to say it was a bad experience. You know, I would do it again in a heartbeat. But there was uh, there was just a misunderstanding in the way that we wanted our our side of the split to sound and the way that Furnace had wanted their side of the split to sound. 
Yeah. Um, and what did you want and what did you get? Well, as Ryan, we'll talk, take over. As far as I'm concerned, like, we just had mistakes. Like, Evan, the drummer from Furnace Head, uh, recorded um, both sides of the split, uh, Bodata Ladies and the Furnace Head half. And he did a great job. He did a great job. The only problem was is we didn't perform the part. Or no, there actually, it wasn't a performance thing. There was some not something didn't sync up in uh in one or two of the songs and we needed like these really simple changes like this is just coming from me and uh and it just wasn't getting done the way you know we wanted to and that we couldn't settle with it so we just went ahead and and recorded them again and got the vibe that we wanted from the studio in brooklyn and again as far as i'm concerned like we were happy with our side at that point Furnace was happy with their side, so like it was cool with me. Um, I think everything worked out at the end, you know. Yeah, we're still obviously we're really brothers. good friends. All of us, we're brothers, man, <laughs> from another mother. This is yeah. So it was it was definitely a difficult process, but uh, because we're all weird musician sensitive folks. We're all very emotional people. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like, oh, cool, dude. All right. It's like, <laughs> it's like no, like, like no, we I'm... actually care you know, yeah. or something. So like, but it was a great learning experience. And um, we did end up having a release show, which was good. Yeah. It, oh, Chris cool. took the head on that and uh, and he did a great job. It like poured that night. So the out, yeah. out people uh, who came out, it wasn't like as much as we wanted, but. It was a great show. It was fun. It was a fun show. I think the you know one of the cooler things about that show was the uh, the lineup we had on it. Um, uh, this is probably a good opportunity to give another shout out to a good band that's local. That's good friends. Of Capacities. Ours. Capacities. Capacities. I love Capacities. This uh, this is a band that has totally uh, surprised They're all so of good. us. And they I mean just- they. I just think that they're unique in a sense that they're doing the whole power violence kind of screamo thing, but they're adding kind of that post-rock element to some of their riffs and stuff. And the vocals are just on point. Like, they just they do a really good job. And Eric Morrow does. I think I think he does all the artwork for yeah, them. Yeah, he does. It's great. It's phenomenal. So. And, and Dutch got splated as well. Those guys, by this point, they're, they're like brothers to us. Yeah. You know, um, they're always there to help us out with gear when we need it. And they're always there to throw us a show when we need it, and you Vice know versa. we we do the same for them. Yeah. And they're just they're just good guys. Um, and uh, Uncle Dave, of course. Everybody loves Uncle Uncle Dave. Everybody loves Uncle, Uncle Dave. Dave. Uncle Davey. <laughs> Uncle Dave is a big inspiration to everything we do and don't do. <laughs> Should I tell the story about yeah, the pedal board? Yeah, tell some stories. This is a good story. Uh, <laughs> I guess Chris should start it out. So we're playing the Meat Locker here in the beautiful city of Montclair. And uh, it was, you know, it was an average night. Um, But our friend Uncle Dave was there. And he was drunk. He was having a good time. Let's just put it that way. He was having an ultimate time. And, uh, (laughs) um, you know, we we played our set. I think we were like 70 to 75% done with our set. Maybe going to the last song. And uh, Uncle Dave decided to have a seizure, and he just <laughs> fell onto my pedal board and, like, turned on, like, three of my pedals, like, turned my tuner on, so everything muted. <laughs> oh, my God. And, then, uh, and then he fell again. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, I just remember seeing a rush of people, uh, all the members from 96 and like all the guys in Dutch Guts and everybody just like running over. Uncle Dave is on the ground. They're all kicking him <laughs> and saying, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, Uncle Dave. You got this, bro. And uh, finally he woke up and uh, an there was a massive video. chant. Yeah. There's a video of people were chanting Uncle Dave while he still passed out on the couch. And... And you just see the video, like, of him just passed out. And then it, people are chanting, everybody loves Uncle Dave, Uncle Dave. So, so then you see Uncle Dave's arm rise. <laughs> and his head comes up. And he hears this chant. And he just starts going, yeah. And just goes along with it and starts nodding and putting his hand up. He wasn't out. even conscious of this yeah. point. He doesn't remember he that. Just, yeah, he's crazy. came guy. back from the dead. So funny. <laughs> but uh what were we talking about nick getting ready to play uh the enough song tell me about that one before oh, we play man. this is a, this was a great one <laughs> i think this is my favorite yeah i i um, uh virus oh god it's been so long <laughs> this one i feel like uh well let's see uh before before this song we we never really got this dirty. We never really got this heavy. Like, I think, I think this shows the influence of like some of the harder bands we were playing with at the time. I totally ripped this riff off an Oathbreaker song. Yeah, I mean, I think it started from. Uh, I remember it started from a jam we had one time. Yeah, and we just were playing that riff, the beginning riff you'll hear uh, over and over, and it was just oh, you're uh, right, epic. You're yeah. right, yeah, I remember that. That's now. all I remember from that. And this song definitely shows like I think it's the first of like our style. Like we we all wrote we wrote about two or three songs before this, together, and uh, and we were just it kind of looked sounded like our influences, and then right here Suddenly. you just hear it like we have like our own thing of doing like really loud brutal thing and then going off into like a more posty you know like, um, uh, what do I like to call it Reverse. like a thoughtful a lot how I feel like the bidet ladies goes is mm. we do something heavy and in your face and then you have like a, a time to reflect on it and that's <laughs> what we do we do something really heavy and then we have like a meditation on that like yeah. and we relax and then it's like we melt your face and then we give you time to kind of put it back together again <laughs> that um <laughs> that song actually is the first song um that we've written as a group, as a three-person group. And funeral. Fun. No, no, no. But this is the first one that has um, ambient parts to it that are not dark and doomy. Well. And, um, yeah, just check it out. Here we go. The Bedata Ladies with Enough. Thanks, Nick.
Tell me about this song, guys. Uncle Dave wrote it. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically, it's a song about... You don't know what it's Uncle about. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, honestly, nothing we write really has a theme behind it until um, it's written. Lyrically, Johnny, actually, it might. Bump a bump. Our songs, they, they're about the music, like, first and foremost. And then we use... I, as a singer in the band, I've started doing it because I felt like we needed another element. You know, just to throw in here and there, tonally, basically. So what a song's about in our band always comes last as long as as far as lyrical content. But it is really fun to like figure it out. So the lyrics, there's only eight, eight words in this song, which I love because it's an eight minute long song almost. So sure. it's like a word a minute. <laughs> Averages out too. Uh, I get to finger tap in this song. That's fun. Yeah. I really like that. I really like doing that. Chris sounds great doing it. He doesn't sound like he's just doing it to do it, but it actually is the perfect part to play. The song needed it, yeah. Most people finger tap for because they don't know what to do. But Chris <laughs> knows exactly what to do, and he's going to finger tap it. No. Oh. I, I, <laughs> I think that Chris is probably one of my favorite parts of this song. Um, here, here. I like your parts too, because though. Because he... Parts. Hey, shut up, man. I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> talking here. Hey, um it <laughs> Chris Chris plays some things in this song that up until um we wrote it and played it and recorded it I didn't even know he could do. Wow, man. <laughs> wow. Not saying I didn't think he could do it. Sorry. Saying I didn't Sorry. know he could do it. Cool. What does that mean? Cool, man. Thanks. Um, it, it's it. It means um, like thanks. like like this. This kid always surprises me. Um, with you sound like like his mentor or something. <laughs> You're you welcome. Reached, I don't know. You have reached another thanks. step, <laughs> young grasshopper. Um, no, thanks, man. That's really awesome. Hey, and we're back, and you're listening to WMSC 90.3 in Upper Montclair, New Jersey. This is Japan Nicks on the air with the guys in the Bedata Ladies. Thanks. Yep. Now, tell me about that last song we heard. Even more so okay. than before. Uh, Rob, what do you think of it? Enough? Yeah, Rob, what do you think about oh, it? Oh, man, <laughs> let me tell you, Betty Crocker was my lady. <laughs> And, I, well, Enough, I always thought it was about that movie, Enough, right? That's what it's based what off of. Like, what movie Not, is that? No, with, with Jennifer Lopez. Uh, she that? dates a guy, and she just had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, actually, uh, being a fan of the Bedalies, that's actually one of my favorite songs by them. Definitely the... Um, the lone tuning part where you guys take a break, like towards the That's end. It's not that song. It's not that song. That's what song is that? That's conditions. We'll play that last. Well, you know what? I don't like that song. <laughs> <laughs> I lied. Hey, you're out of the band, man. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna start my own band. Don't <laughs> name it Furnace Head. Nah, 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 I already know exactly what I'm gonna call it. That's so funny. <laughs> I love that song with that part, and it's not this song we're talking <laughs> it's about. Totally wrong song. <laughs> it's my favorite part of you guys. Well, now, 
Ryan, can you explain what it's like being a drummer and a vocalist at the same time? Yeah, I don't see the big deal. <laughs> What's the big deal? It's just doing two things at once, just like all the singers do when they have their instruments in front of them. To me, like, I, I, I feel inspired to do it, and I, I heard it in our songs, so I really wanted to do it, and I worked really hard to get my vocals to sound decent, and they, they're getting better all the time, I feel. Yeah. And, uh... And I like I like doing it. It has nothing to do with me being a drummer and a and a vocalist, you know. Which is funny because you're apt in saying so, Nick. Like, because people come up to me and they're like, "Oh, you're the drummer vocalist guy." Like, whoa, dude, Weird. man, you're the yeah. only one singing. You're not doing backup. That's all that is usual. And I'm. It's weird. It's like in my other band, I play sax and play drums at the same time sometimes. And sometimes do hip hop. Yeah, and I do hip hop, and it's this true. stuff doesn't make sense to me. Why it's weird? <laughs> it just it just has to happen, and I'm playing drums at the same time, so whatever. Like, I don't think about it. The thing that I love about it though is that I play drums differently to to support the vocals at the times. Like we have this song that we're gonna play called Conditions, and there's one part near the end. It's like the second to last vocal part that I would have never played the drum beat like I do. Um, if it wasn't for the singing thing that happens, and it's really fun, it's it, it, you know, I would have never thought of the drum part like that, and uh, and it makes the song better because to support vocals is like what you know that's always the lead when it's happening usually, like most nine times out of ten, if the vocals there, it's the lead part. Um, like if Chris takes a lead part on a guitar, then you support that, you know. Um, but if the vocals are there, they're usually at the forefront. So it's been really great as a drummer to have both of that really aware in my head, you know, so that's what it's like. Do you find that most clubs that do pay-to-play do not have a customer base of their own? (laughs) Uh, What do you mean by that? (laughs) You know what I mean by that. That's not a loaded question. No, really, I don't get what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that uh, they don't have people coming in there in the first place? Um, yeah, like, it, the thing <laughs> is, they wouldn't be doing pay-to-play if they had a customer base of their own. That's true. <laughs> Making the bands pay, we don't do that. No. We've, we've never done yeah. a pay-to-play show. So. I mean, if even if... Uh, we'll sell tickets I mean, but we won't even do while. We won't even do that often. We'll no. try to sell. You know? Yeah. I, we No, let's clear that up. This one show that we're playing tomorrow is the only show we've accepted to try and and support because... Uh, because we care about the bill a lot, but any other time in our two, three years as a band, as a two-piece, and this one year as a band, as a three-piece, it's not, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you know, like the pay-to-play. Anybody else want to draw on that? You, Mister Furnacehead, uh, non-member of the Potato Ladies. It's just the best thing to ever happen to music. (laughs) (laughs) I think every band in the world. He's settling Continue. in. He's settling Continue. in right um, now. So, pay to play. Yeah, I, I refuse to do that. It's like you know, you want to go to a show and you have to force the bands to pay to play. What does that even mean? That's that. You those know? are the like, things that kill the art like, industry. Yeah, it's just like it kills the vibe and everything. And it feels like, yes, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to me, it's like it's just capitalism showing its ugly head in in our world. Like it's just another block on the on the wall because 
it's the venues are bowing to, you know, like something else where they have to pay more. You know, they it, it's ultimately on them to support the night. So then they put it on the bands. And uh, and it's just money. It's just about money. It's not about art. That's what pay to play. We're the entertainment, folks. Yeah. I think that the question nobody's asking yet is, though, what happens when everybody says, you know what, we're not going to do this pay to play stuff. And let's say the venue goes out of business and it gets turned into the, like a Dunkin Donuts or something like that. And then the music is never coming back to that venue. Do you feel like pay to play? The end result is going to end up being there's going to be actually less venues for bands to perform at. Absolutely not. Um, because, you know, basically the way that, you know, I know I see it, I'm pretty sure these guys agree, is that whenever one door closes, another one will always open. And um, there's always DIY, and there's always going to be a show. And even if it's in some kid's basement, you know, um, it's it's always going to happen because people can't live without music people can't live without art people can't live without expression expression any art form uh even if it's very minuscule seeming is necessary uh because like ryan said with expression art is what saves people's lives from life because life sucks (laughs) it's definitely a good distraction yes you know I don't mean that. I mean that in the best way possible. It's no. like a productive, uh, you know, a good distraction, a positive distraction. But I want to say that, like, if there's, a, if there's a space open, we'll always play it. We'll always play it, no matter whether it is, like, a basement or a bar or, you know. Madison what, Square Garden. Madison, whatever. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or the front step Father and Rutgers Son University. Play. Yeah, a quick check, a Home Depot parking <laughs> There's a funny story. Ryan and I, uh, when we were a two-piece, really, really wanted to practice one night. So we played at 2 in the morning in a Lowe's parking lot um, until the cops <laughs> came and shut it down. I would have loved to be a cop just for that day, just so I could come up and yeah, just his face was like just, just those blank stare, and he and he just went like <laughs> seriously <laughs> from his car, and we looked at him, and Johnny had the audacity to be like, "Yo, we got a guitar in the back. You want to shred?" <laughs> and he said, "Get out of here now." Yeah, he 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 wouldn't write us up. Because he was afraid of getting made fun of at the station for that write-up. <laughs> uh, what do you think the other cops would have said to him? Uh, well, Billy, you did it again. Good job. <laughs> Good great, job, Great boy. job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Billy. <laughs> His name was Billy. We became good friends afterwards. Oh, That's where we go yeah. for Thanksgiving now. It's true. His wife makes really good cranberry sauce. Pasta. Totally. Sharks. How's the pumpkin pie? Pumpkin pie. Eh. Eh. I've had better. Oh, man. That's. Shrumpkin pie. If they don't pie, make good though. pumpkin hey, pie, I mean, what's the point? <laughs> Nick, has, point. how's the pumpkin pie on your end? Oh, it's awesome. Like, get it from Penning's Orchards. Maybe um, if you can uh, find your way back here during uh, the late fall season. Maybe I'll bring in some pumpkin pie. Oh, Speaking yeah. of pumpkin, I, uh, I promised some people I would say this live. Um, my day job is uh, at a I, – I make ice cream. I make sweet, cold treats 
for all the chi- all the children, all of them. And uh, I seen it. <clears throat> I work at Denville Dairy, and we now have pumpkin ice cream. <laughs> yeah! <Aww>. Woo! <laughs> so if you're all feeling a little yeah. bit, if you're feeling a little bit, if you're feeling yeah. like you want to have some fall uh, time early, everyone go to Denville Dairy. Now, what are the hours you work so people can harass you at your job? Oh my God, dude! Uh, <laughs> see, I'll work. I'll work a lot of times, 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. There we go, 4 a.m. 4 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Chris is a pizza boy. Chris and delivers pizzas. I'm a mover. I move people's furniture. Chris delivers pizzas, and Johnny's an ice cream man. That's. I think we all have pretty lives. honest like jobs, you know. Yeah, honest work. And Rob is a squid farmer. <laughs> Not Tell a me very about the squid job. farming. <laughs> oh man, listen, <clears throat> it's a hard job. It's it doesn't come as easy as a lot of people think. Do you think people are born to be squid farmers, or does it come to them? Uh, it's it's something that comes to you, you know. Like it's a point in college. When did you? Oh, it's a point in college. What you know? year? Were you a sophomore? I, I'd have to say it was between sophomore year and, and year. when I decided to switch my majors to squids. To squids. Um, I realized that art. It's just. It's worthless. It's a pointless Artist subject. Sad, empty. Like it, there's there's no ambition. Where's the squid ambition? And then though? one day I got a squid tattooed on me, and I realized squids breeding them. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Did you find a community though to help you? Um, kind of understand I, yourself um, as a squid farmer. I mean, a my buddy? dad wasn't too great about it. What does my- it sound like? What squids scream? <laughs> um, it's kind of hard. It's kind of a mix of a fox <laughs> eating a bowl of like bread. <laughs> so you ever heard a fox scream before? With the bowl of bread, with, yeah. With the bowl of always with devour- with the bowl So of it's like. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why I said to myself, I'm going to breed squids, and then I will sell them. (laughs) Tell us about the accident. Oh, um... Was it when I found one of the squids? Rob, Rob only has yeah. one Doing leg, the by doom? the way. You guys don't know, but Rob lost his leg. This is a story. Yeah, yeah I um, I made a bet with uh, young Ryan over here. Yeah. And yeah. he asked me. Yeah. <laughs> I asked you. Oh, what did you ask me? Um, <laughs> Can I come see the oh, squids? Oh, what I... <laughs> Oh, that was a different question. What <laughs> no, no, was, no, no. It, was it, it wasn't. It, it was. It was before I had him come and see the squids. He asked me, "Would I rather be a dog for the rest of my life, or lose my legs?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I said, "What you rat- do? Bark back at him?" I so I, lo- I said, "I'd rather lose my legs." No legs. I, he chose I like, no, no legs, legs. and I chose to do that. So. I don't have any legs anymore. Yeah. It took me a really long time to drive here, but I got <laughs> I got Chris and Fred Johnny Flint here. Wow. <laughs> With my yeah, exactly. With his hands and knees. <laughs> he still has stubs. knees. He's stubbies. Stubbies. <laughs> I call Rob uh, my stub hubby. <laughs> stub hub. That's where they got the name Subhub from. Yeah, it's Rob's website. He made that, actually. By the way, we, we should get like a million dollars for saying that. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate. Yeah. Appreciate. Cross shot. Yeah. Oh. Now, oh. you guys, uh, 
have your music on Bandcamp. Tell me what are some of the pros and cons of using Bandcamp. It's free. It's the best. Is it F-R-E free? F-R-I-E-Z. F-E-I or F-E-E? <laughs> Fire free. Um, yeah, it's free. And you, wow. And then... It's, it's really simple, simple, and it's really simple to add the option of like how much you want to pay for it, and I think the name your price thing is a pretty, pretty awesome thing too. Yeah, and it's beautiful. It's like simple, Perfect. cool layouts. Like I love. I I only want to get music off Bandcamp now. Yeah, it's my favorite mode of stuff now. It's awesome, yeah. and I I pay for albums all the time on Bandcamp. Yeah, because first off, they're cheap. I mean, I bought an album the other day. It was like four dollars. I bought another album. It was like seven dollars. Yeah, but like, and then how are you going to get like, like your the rest MP3 or WAV file autographed? Dude, <laughs> it's in, it's encoded in the file. It's amazing. <laughs> it's already in there. Well, you, uh, yeah, I think choosing like you to open buy it in Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> choosing to buy a CD or vinyl is still like just as good as Bandcamp to me. But you know, it's the digital age, and as far as I'm concerned, it's better than iTunes or Spotify or all that other fun stuff that's mm-hmm. just not as good. Like, do you feel like? Hoopla. Holla. Yeah, but do you feel like um, using Spotify and iTunes, like, you really don't get any royalties based on that? We don't I, I actually... <clears throat> all right. It's funny that you ask this question. I was at a record store uh, with my lovely girlfriend um, two days ago. Wait, what's today? Friday? Two days ago. And, uh, and basically... <clears throat> You know, we we were we went to a record store, and uh, it sucked. You know, this record store it wasn't a great record store. But um, I almost picked up an album there by a band called The Body. But I changed my mind, and this is CD. I'm I'm compact disc that I'm speaking of, and uh, I didn't get it because I know I have Spotify, and I know it's on Spotify, and uh, I I was telling my girlfriend that um. It stinks that, like, Spotify and stuff like that takes some of the fun out of CD hunting. Um, But at the same time, Spotify is an amazing thing because it makes everything accessible. And and I like that. You know, so there really is pros and cons. It's not always about having a knife in your pants at all times. Sometimes it's about... (laughs) Having the knife in your pocket. Having the knife in your pocket. For what about ready. in your hand? That's even better. No, you never want to put the knife in your hand. Yeah, you do. I know I do. What about in your mouth? <laughs> Just remember. You know, so so it's not always about having the music in hard copy. Sometimes it's about, like for musical purpose, it's about the collection. Yes. You know, and that's why for me at least, I collect vinyl. I mean, me yeah, too. like, that's that's awesome. Like, it's great having vinyl, you know, in your hands and even a CD. Like, I only have a CD player in my car. I don't have an aux cable. Dude, I have a cassette player in my car. See, that's even better. (laughs) I have the Twin Peaks soundtrack on a cassette, actually. The first cassette I ever had was Dark Side of the Moon. And um, I was 17, and I had this crappy Honda that only had a cassette player. So I had I forget where, but I had Dark Side of the Moon, and uh, I would listen to it nonstop because that was all I had. 
and it left an impression. I'm not a huge Pink Floyd fan, but I love that album because of that. So having things in hard copy, that's another advantage. Uh, They're more meaningful. Now, tell me about your song, Conditions. Let's play that next. Very special song. It's definitely the most challenging, but the more, probably one of the most fun songs to play. It's really long. Yeah. There are heavy parts, then there are super clean parts. Um, there's a lot. Of, I don't know. I don't know. I guess on my guitar end, there's a lot of black metal influence. Hmm. I'd say uh, lyrically too. This is this is something I'm very very happy about because just going throughout my day, I know that this song meant means a lot because. <sighs> I like personally I'm really influenced by like eastern spiritual practice which these guys couldn't give anything about. <laughs> and uh, yep for the most part. Yep. But, but still like the vibe we we reach with it is like uh it's great and like so th- thematically the song conditions means the conditions of life that you have to go through, like everything daily, like small stuff that you go through. And it was originally, I thought about calling it Purging Conditions because the song to me, the the way I sing in it is like kind of like just uh, purging, you know, like words and thoughts. And and, and the song can get like, it's really heavy and uh, and like dark and disgusting. And uh, and it's like reaching those limits. Like a lot of people really like the last riff in this song um, because it's it's really depressing. And uh, <laughs> and so it's just like the conditions you go through in life. And like it, that's kind of I don't know. I think it's a good reflection of of how we feel and how we interpret the world. And uh, and if you listen to the lyrics, they um, they kind of match up with all that. So. Based on our experiences. Yeah. Does anybody else have any intelligent uh, input on it? I like it because it's like 12 minutes long. Um, Johnny's the smartest of us all. <laughs> <laughs> I got my grade 10, guys. Um, I like it because it's long. <laughs> I like it's that like 12 song. 12 minutes, I think. Uh. I like that song because... Um, there's not been a single time since it's been written that I've played it that I haven't been like, like Close to drenched death. in sweat, and it, it leaves me feeling like drained of all life, and like I can't speak afterwards sometimes, and I just like want to, yeah, I just want to die. I literally like have to like breathe and stare at the wall for like a few minutes before starting this one live, <laughs> live anyway. Yeah, yeah, and and it's. That's why, yeah, that's why we try to feed back a lot before this song and enough as well to kind of, like, prepare ourselves. There's a lot of feedback and noise in between our songs during our sets. It makes for a good time, and it's fun for everybody. Makes it a great time. Great time. (laughs) So this is the debut of this song as well. So Sad Lake and Conditions, uh, for all the lovely listeners out there, you're the first to hear. Brand new. And it's 9 p.m., and you're listening to Japan Nick's Rock and Metal Pandemonium on WMSC 90.3 in Montclair State University in Little Falls, New Jersey. Here we go with the new Bedata Lady song, Conditions. <laughs> Yeah! 
Caller from Texas. Horns up. Can't hear you, man. Yeah, man. Thanks, Gary. Now, anyways, dudes. Let's see. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> The Canadian government has instituted a $425 tariff per international artist per performance in Canada. Do you expect this to be repealed with the change.org online viral peti petition? I'll take this one. Um, yeah, so I actually signed the petition the second that I saw it. I mean, I read it. I read it, did some research on it, and found out. And it's not the state. I mean, it's not the, the country of Canada that's charging the musicians. What it is is that... Um, Canada is forcing each venue in the country of Canada to charge each band member of any touring band, whether regardless of whether it's from the United States or any other country. Um, Could be from Mexico or England, sure. yeah, Australia, mm -hmm. Japan, and Easter really Island, <laughs> the Cayman Islands. I mean, that just really puts an awkward strain between each venue and band member because the venues obviously don't want to pay each band member an extra what is it 425 per band member yeah i think that's what it is um that's ridiculous i mean i don't i don't know what i don't know what the point of that is but where do you think the money is going yeah. probably towards the government and whatever i'd say it's going taxes towards don't bacon. cover bacon. more canadian bacon. hockey eh <laughs> do you worry that the price of Canadian bacon is rapidly going up along with the price of Canadian beer. <laughs> is Canadian beer going up? It, it looks like it. I mean, there's going to be $425 tariffs on everybody. I mean, <laughs> you know where, where all the money's going to be going. And that's a lot of dough if you really think about how many bands are going through Canada now nowadays. But I mean, um, I've read uh, I, I, certain I, I, stories from hey, bands Rob, that have... Keep it, keep it quiet <laughs> over there. <laughs> Rob's having a really good time. Rob like keeps it? farting. <laughs> I really like Molson. Molson Ice is my jam. It's what like about Blue Moon? <laughs> is Blue Moon Canadian? Maybe. I hate Blue Moon. <laughs> I just hate Canada. I love Canada. I don't know I, why. I don't like Canada. This. You know, I think that the people that work. No, I don't not like Canada. I don't like uh, <laughs> some people from Canada. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> it's been hard for bands to go to Canada already, right? Like, you hear a lot about, like, mm. bands coming down from Canada or going to Canada and having issues just getting in. And visa now this, problems. Yeah, visa problems. Equipment. And now with this, like, this tariff, it's just, it's just putting such a strain. Like, I think it, my only opinion on it is that Canada is just um, – gonna have less variety of of international music in their scene like obviously even just having this be an option even if even if the uh it gets repealed you know because of the petition or whatever which hopefully it does um just knowing that they're so unforgiving you know mm. to like artists like no if uh, speaking from us like we're not on a label right now we have no backing so if we went to canada and a lot of our friends are in the same boat who are playing. It would be all on our dime, you know? Like, there's no way we'd go. We just, so there's a ton of bands that would go that wouldn't be able to. No, but I mean, it's kind of like looking at that, like, pretty much unless you're, like, a really huge band, like maybe, I guess, Godsmack or something on that level. That like, uh, you're, you're not going to be able to be touring in Canada just because that's insane. Because not it only is. is it like $425 for the actual band members, you also got to throw in the money for the roadies 
and whoever else is going to be in your uh, party of people that you're traveling with. True. I mean, that that doesn't even include gas. I mean, passports cost money. Um, getting gear into. There you go. Yeah. Rob said you have to pay a fee in general. And I mean, I think the I think the tariff right now is one fifty per each band member. Well, or it was one twenty five. Now it's four twenty five. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's four times the amount almost. Um, but I looked at the the uh, the online petition and it was up to I think they needed ten thousand more um, to get like to get it repealed or something. I don't I don't really know. No, what the no, next they're step just is. like upping the number of people on it. Oh, like it's not going to get repealed. Well. It has to go through a process, I'm sure, to even get considered to be repealed. But I'd imagine the person who enacted this or is in support of this doesn't care how many people are against it. Let's see. Right now, it's almost at 100,000. It's about at 96,855 supporters. That's worldwide, but it means... It's like... That's a lot of people. That's been just in a couple of days, but it's just... That's insane. I can't imagine, like, if I was a real jerk and was putting forward <laughs> this type of uh, law, I wouldn't care if it was like a million people. Unless you actually can vote the person out or impeach the guy or whatever, right? You're not gonna you're gonna have to deal with that kind of um, garbage law. That sucks. I ho- I don't know. Like, this is like talking about activism in general. Like, what does your action matter? And I think you got to treat it like art. You know, as far as I'm concerned, like it's. Get creative with the way you act. So if you feel passionate about this, you know, think about other ways besides signing the petition. Signing the petition is where it starts and getting getting information across. And mm-hmm. then the other possibilities are endless. There you go. Legal and otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Now, can you explain the difference between a good promoter and a bad one in terms of their <laughs> business practices. I think Johnny uh, would have a good answer for this. He's the most uh, promotional of the band. Promotional. All right. <laughs> Do you mean, oh, promoter uh, at venues or just promoters in general? Um, promoters at venues and in general. No pressure begin, though. I just want to say that if you're a promoter at a venue, just be a cool dude. Yeah. It's really not that hard. Yeah. Just, like, be a nice dude. Oh, but you got to do the whole thing where, like, Uh if the band didn't sell enough tickets, you got to go up to them right before they play and be like, oh, you know, you didn't sell enough tickets. What's up with that? That's not being a cool dude. No, no, they need to do that, man. Uh, They need to do that. I'm sorry. That's why we don't play those shows. (laughs) I think that that the difference between a good promoter and a bad promoter is is experience. Um, There's people that promote we i i mean i don't know i mean there there's a promoter in brooklyn that we work with or that we're working with he's deaf that's true the guy can't hear shout out to james by the way if you're listening i love you dude yeah um but he still supports music but he supports music and, and he, he puts on shows at saint vitus and the acheron that's his full-time job that's I think. beethoven job. was deaf so <laughs> Well, that has nothing to do with it. I just think that's cool. You know, like Chris said, shout out to James. You're the man. James Gaskin. Anyway. Um, <laughs> my daddy's listening. The difference is experience. Um, in my eyes, there's promoters that are also musicians, and now they're starting to do promotion and stuff like that. And they've got experience as musicians. 
and uh, they know what it's like to be in a band, and they know what it's like to be a starving artist, if you want to call it that. The guy that we're working with now for the show tomorrow that we mentioned earlier, Vinny, Patter, Pat, Patters to Russo. Vinny Pat Pat. Vinny Pat Pat. Oh, Pat Pat. He's a good example of a good promoter, whereas he, he's he got experience traveling the world playing music. and uh, But at the same time, his attitude as a promoter is, I'm helping bands out. If they're going to be jerks about it, then I'll never work with them again. Yeah, I mean, it's a relationship thing, like... Bands can suck. The people in bands can suck. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I've put on shows before, like, where you you need to talk to the bands and be like, you have to bring some people because we want this to be a success. And, and I, I just need to get this across to you that, like, this, I'm investing a lot. And that if, if we want to be on the bill, uh, then I would expect, you know, the same. And, like, that, I think that's a good way to go about it as far as I'm concerned. Um but then just like ego stuff like that, you can all leave at the door. I don't care if you're a band or a promoter or whatever. Like you're no better than anybody. Exactly. Nobody's better than anybody. I don't care who you've worked with or how many shows you've put on or haven't put on. Like if your heart's in it and you really care about all it is is about supporting art. So promoters, you know, they get a leg up already. But um, and it's about the first handshake as far as I'm concerned. Like if we're emailing with a promoter and then you go and you meet them. And like, and it's just like, hey, what's up? And they're like, hey, what's up? And it's just like, cool. Then you know, it's it, it's gonna work and it's gonna be all right. Like mm-hmm. it, you know. And I'm happy about it too. Like if if it wasn't for people who played music and did promoting, or who just did promoting because they love it, like you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be happening as much. And I think so. that uh, you know, promoters don't really owe anything to bands. Like they don't owe anything, and I think vice versa. I think people should help. We should help each other out. We're all, we're all supporting the arts, like Ryan said. For band, for people, what time should they get to the Stanhope House so they can make sure that they catch your entire set? Seven o'clock. Get there at six and start drinking with me. Yeah, think, drink with Chris from three p.m. forward. Uh, <laughs> that's, but, a, that's pretty accurate. That's fairly accurate. We're we're slotted to play at seven forty five. So you get there at seven thirty and, and, and there's a lot of there's five bands so it's gonna be tight so Rob will be there. Do you have any merch that you're selling? Yes. Oh Chris the yeah. merch man We actually will have uh shirts um for the first time ever. I just pr- did a batch of uh personal silkscreen T shirts. Did you uh, silk screen them yourself? I did. Yeah. He's awesome. a master. Yeah. How many different colors? Um, right now we just have white on black, but uh, we're talking about doing some different colors, I guess, down the line. Yeah. We're really grateful for Chris. He's a great artist and graphic designer, and he has yeah. that he has that, that beautiful quality to him. And uh, he's done all our artwork. So if you look at that album, you know, the song artwork, he's done it, and uh, also the shirt stuff. So, yeah. Johnny and I are very pleased. Also, I guys. Oh, I just want to say that if uh, <laughs> if you want a shirt and you're not coming to the show, we have um, a big cartel, so just look for us on there. We have shirts out there, too. Now, what would you say was the biggest mistake musicians made when Napster appeared? Lars. Lars. Ulrich. <laughs> Lars Ulrich. Say <laughs> <laughs> it anger? I don't know. <laughs> this time I disappear? 
I love that song, actually. <laughs> that was on the Mission Impossible soundtrack, right? And that was the song that Lars Ulrich went to holy hell about. Oh, it's about, I really like that song. Because it was traded on Napster. That's the reason why he was like, oh, you know, listen, guys, you know, you can't be using Napster. It's killing, like, the underground scene. You know, guys like us, like, I can't get, like, 50 Mega McMansions next year because of all the songs that have been stolen. <laughs> Man, I do not like that guy. <laughs> That's no, a good alt Lars, though. Music being free is cool. Like, I think us as musicians, we pay for music. Like, I know that about all three mm-hmm. of us. Like, that we actually, for whatever reason, like, whether it's to have the physical copy or to just have artwork involved or, like, it's have about it in your car package. when you're living pizzas. Yeah, dude. It's a pizza accessory <laughs> music all for all of us. And, uh,. So we we support that, but for the general populace, like we'd rather have them have our our music in their library, you know, than not. Yeah. I don't care if it's bought or not. Really, that's wrong. That's my opinion. Same. Definitely, I agree. Now, how much of your music is actually on sevens, cassettes, and CDs? As of right now, they're all either digital or CDRs. When are you actually gonna get around to making vinyl, though? That's that's what I'm saying, Possibly man. Possibly the Dutch guts split. It's possible. Have, um, you guys, have you guys talked to Dutch guts about this split? Not no. since the <laughs> diner that night. Uh, uh. But, How uh, long ago was this CD diner CD conversation? <laughs> it was actually CD release show we did yeah. with Furnace Head. Uh, I, I remember wasn't there. it. Um, I went Diego. to a party after I didn't go to I didn't go to the diner. Uh, the most I remember is that uh, Danny Quasar was eating a massive <laughs> cantaloupe. <laughs> Oh, that and was great. French fries. And Kiefer was there. <laughs> Yo, big shout out to Kiefer. Kiefer! Yo, Kiefs. I love you, man. Kiefer's Peace. our roadie. Yo, stay true. I miss true. Kiefer. Stay trooper. <laughs> Grouper, baby. Grouper. Chulies. Um, Do any of you guys have anything you'd like to add tonight? Hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to keep on rocking. Each one of you guys. No pressure. Just come to our show tomorrow. All right, so we're playing Stanhope House tomorrow, Saturday night. We're playing ABC No Rio in September. We're playing St. Vitus in We're actually not playing that show anymore. (laughs) It's the Godfield, sorry. Okay. (laughs) We're playing St. Vitus in September. We're playing the Stanhope House House again in September. We're also playing uh, in Bayonne, New Jersey. No, we're not doing that. Okay. Yes, we are. So there's a uh, there's a bunch of shows coming up and um, yeah and, and releases like we're we're gonna have an EP soon and we're gonna do another split soon hopefully um, and I don't know Chris um I, yeah, I don't really have many much to add to that thank you Nick thanks to Japan, Nick. Nick this was I'd a lot like of fun to, man. Um, <laughs> I like to give a shout out specifically to all the local bands that we've played with, um, especially the ones we played with multiple times. It dawned upon us basically that the most support we get as a band comes from um the other bands. The other <laughs> bands and significant <laughs> others. Um more even more so e- yeah. Chris is single by the way. Chris is single, but he <laughs> Ryan, has uh I'm kinda single. Ryan's kinda single. <laughs> So, 
you know, those bands being Hell Mary, Capacities, Dutch Guts, 96, North Jersey Hardcore, Caught in the Grips. Caught in the Grips. Caught in the Grips. They're a great band. You should get them on here, actually. They'd probably be really funny. And, uh, you know, bands like Flaming Tusk from Brooklyn, New York, who we're playing with as St. Vitus. Bezor from Brooklyn, New York. Ubasute from here in Montclair, I think, actually. And uh, Polyphony and Clean Teeth Polyphony. from Brooklyn. And, of course, Furnace Head. Furnace Head. <laughs> My brothers and Father and son. Father and son. Father and son. <laughs> and uh, what about the moms? <laughs> We're not going to talk about the moms. <laughs> John Stolpe, are you listening? You might be. Do you hear what no, I hear? <laughs> no, they're they're all right, guys. They support us, and we support them. But yeah. Joey Nestor is the man, though. Joey Nestor is the man. And uh, look out for all these side projects out of our band, like Sun Rot with Rob and Chris, and uh, Father and Son. Concion Franklin and uh, hopefully my new project, Vegan Disease. Explain what vegan disease is supposed to mean. <laughs> well, basically, I used you just to have opened a up job. a bag of worms. <laughs> <laughs> basically, I uh, a bag of worms. Bag of worms. Watching, watching, <laughs> watching the. Uh, <laughs> basically, I've you know seen that in my observation the uh lifestyle of vegan has been spreading like shrooms <laughs> uh, way too much lately and uh we need to do something about it uh when vegans attack you know and uh it, it's spreading like a disease i don't hate vegans. you mean like the anthrax album i know nothing of this oh dude you need to check that out man it's awesome which album Spreading the disease by anthrax. Nah, I'm not, I wasn't big on no, anthrax. See, I, I don't, I don't hate vegans. I just don't like the ones that are jerks. What percentage are jerks, though? <laughs> Probably uh, fifty. A good amount of them. Fifty percent of people. Eric Morrow's a good vegan, though. <laughs> he is from Capacities. He's yeah. he's a good vegan, and the dudes in Birds and Rome. Sure and the dudes in cool Last Letters are great too. <laughs> oh, Rob, do you have something to share? Rob has something to share. I don't have anything to share. <laughs> now, Rob, what do you have to say about concerts you're going to be at? Oh, um, well, at the mo- uh, headphones are my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, at the moment, first, I was just recording a new EP and a possible split with our friends, father and son. But we'll be playing the 28th at the Stanhope House with the Bedata Ladies. And uh, we have two New Brunswick shows possibly coming up with the Bedata Ladies and our friends, the Moms. Awesome. Um, And then we have another basement show in New Brunswick. And we'll be, whoever is listening up in Hudson, New York... We'll be probably playing a show there with maybe the Vedeta ladies <laughs> if they're down. Yeah. But um, we'll be yeah. we'll be around, you know. Maybe we'll be on this radio show. <laughs> you, my drummer was gonna come, but he fell asleep. Really? Evan. Yeah. Whoa. Sounds about right. That's sweet that you got to be a part of the show, though. Anyway. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming, Rob. Dude, no problem. And Don't they, even mention it. <laughs> never will mention it again. But thank you again, Nick. Nick's the best. He's the greatest. He rock man. 
man. Thanks so much. Thanks for the pie and the cookies. Now, anyways, like this is going to end up on my SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash Japan dash Nick. That's J-A-P-A-N dash N-I-C-K. In two to three weeks, um, I have about 50-something interviews on there, up to about six published articles, hoping for some more in the coming weeks in September and maybe October. And next week, I have uh, father and son and former recluse frontman Tim Barr in the house. Oh, uh, Nick, so looking I just, forward to that uh, one. I don't know if anybody told you, but Tim passed away. Oh, I don't be like that. It was an onion accident. <laughs> Another onion trouble. Onion tears part two. If it, <laughs> if it wasn't for Tim Barr, we wouldn't be here today because Tim Barr and Nick have a great history of hamburger meat and... <laughs> Ground beef. Okonomiyaki. 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 <laughs> 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 Dude, one time I brought uh, Okonomiyaki to uh, this Halloween show Tim played. Mm. For reals, yo. For reals. Dang. That's what's up. Well, thanks a lot for coming out tonight. And Dude, thanks again. Thanks Nick. for having. Definitely. The data ladies, check us out. Blah. <laughs> Like us on Facebook. Check us out on Bandcamp. Don't buy like ourselves off Twitter. of Big Cartel. Come to the San Hope House show tomorrow and listen to Furnace Head. Evan wasn't here. I'm really sorry. Rob is here, and it was great having us. Thank you, Nick. Definitely. Well, job, thanks Chris. a lot for tuning in tonight.